Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. We're leaving out the theorizing and exploring this strange phenomenon of being a human and a therapist. I'm Kelly, licensed marriage and family therapist, working in private practice settings as a clinician and a clinical supervisor in the Denver metro area. And I'm Abby. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the owner of a group practice in the Denver metro area. Kelly and I are both registered play therapists, supervisors, and EMDR certified. So we're both therapists, but this is not therapy. And we're both supervisors, but this is not supervision. This podcast is purely for fun. So for any ethical concerns on your caseload, please refer to your state laws and licensing boards. And please remember to follow The Whole Therapist on Instagram, Facebook, and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening station. For more resources, blogs, and consultation opportunities, visit wholetherapistinstitute.com. So come join our conversation while we explore the embodied experience of neuroscience and authenticity in the therapy room. Hi, welcome to The Whole Therapist Podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Abby. We're happy to have you here today. We are going to be talking about getting fired. Ooh, it's <laughs> happened to client. me. It's happened to me too. <laughs> this feels really um, almost like taboo. Like, can we talk about this being yeah. fired? Are we supposed to act like this has never happened? No. Right. Yeah, and I, I think just to reiterate what Abby had said, getting fired by a client. Yes. Yep. Yeah. We can talk about getting fired at other times. Another time. Another time. (laughs) Almost like getting smaller in my seat. Like my arms are coming in and I just almost wish I had a blanket to like regulate because this is really challenging. Mm -hmm. Being fired by a client will always activate your attachment stuff. Yes, most definitely. And what we were talking about before is also when a client comes in and sings your praises and puts you on this pedestal. Clients will activate our attachment system. Sometimes it feels better mm-hmm. and we're a little more blind to it. Mm-hmm. We're easier to kind of collude mm-hmm. with their protector parts of people pleasing. Mm-hmm. If they come in and just like have wonderful feedback all the time, mm-hmm. no way. Right. No way has there been no rupture, no feedback, right? Mm-hmm. No authenticity, but it might feel better for the therapist. Yes. That they have a client that just like wants to please Mm -hmm. so much and we can miss it. Mm -hmm. It's not going to probably feel good to the therapist when the client fires them. No. Or doesn't come back. But both scenarios are activating the therapist's attachment network. A hundred percent. Well, I actually have to say that I remember doing consultation with Marshall about a client who very much was, had so many positive things to say to me. And I actually felt highly uncomfortable, but I didn't know why. And there was a sense of like, I don't trust this, but it wasn't like a fully explicit sense. Yeah. And then when I had done some consultation with Marshall, he had shared like, oh, they're just offering you what their attachment style is. And you are picking up on that. Similarly, uh, with getting fired, like when that happens, unfortunately, um, we talked about it in the episode saying and sitting with goodbye. Sometimes that's where the richest work is done or the most information we get. Mm-hmm. So when a client fires you, you may find out more about that system yes. or that client based on how they have ended mm-hmm. uh, the therapeutic work. And how you receive it also. Mm -hmm. I think therapists um, have a hard time saying goodbye, just like in that episode. Mm -hmm. And I don't know anyone that deals with being fired very well. No, I, I mean, (laughs) I just go into a spiral. Yeah. Right. Like as soon as, 
I guess there's differences, mm-hmm. right? So when a client just stops showing up, like mm-hmm. I certainly like feel worried and, but I, I can kind of like create a narrative maybe to help yeah. myself feel better. <laughs> Where if I've maybe noticed that there is a rupture and then the client Mm -hmm. very quickly says or the client's parent, like, we're not coming back. That's for me, the spiral, Mm -hmm. Um, especially when like I try then to be relational and connect back and I try and do the reparative process and they will not allow that to happen. Yeah. I it's like I'm a terrible therapist. Um, I'm actually not relational. I really messed up. Am I really good enough to do this work? Mm. It's a really bad spiral. Yeah. And thankfully, when those times have happened, I've had colleagues like you and other people find somebody that's nurturing. Yes. Because if you're a therapist like me who goes into this really negative self-talk fast, I I actually noticed myself um, not wanting to seek out consultation from folks who I knew were nurturing because mm. I was like, they're going to be too nice. Like, I really need someone to just tell me how bad I messed oh. up. <laughs> and so I reached out to the people who I thought were going to say that. And they still were like, no, mm-hmm. Kelly. And then it was like, ah, oh. like when you hear the voice from somebody else, mm-hmm. it really like talks back to that negative yeah. talk. It sounds like it can be more activating for a client to, to verbally say, we're not coming back, or for their parent to say, I'm not coming back. Mm-hmm. And it can recreate, you know, for wh- whatever's happening for the therapist, it can recreate this like scenario mm-hmm. and then the spiral and shame. And then when a colleague or mentor comes in and a friend says like, no, like this is, sounds like you did everything you could, mm-hmm. right? Or whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's pretty reparative. It is. So that's where we interrupt like, oh, here comes the same saga. Like, mm-hmm. I'm a piece of crap. And like, <laughs> and there I am in all my shame, like yeah. the way I was, you know, growing up or whatever. And it's like, no, we get to have people now as adults and in mm-hmm. this field that repair those things. It's funny because I have more anxiety when a client ghosts mm. than if they tell me. Okay. If they tell me, at least I know. Yeah. And it's the way that they've told me. Mm-hmm that it does not feel good. Yeah. I will still spiral. Yeah. But if someone just stops showing up, mm-hmm. I come up with the worst narrative. Mm. I can't lie to myself and justify like, well, this and this and this. It's like, how did I I how did I create such a lack of safety that they couldn't mm. even tell? Yeah. They couldn't even tell me and where did they go? Yeah. And are they okay? And what is the story they're holding walking around and I think that I get really hard on myself about like the lack of safety mm-hmm. that I was responsible to create and did not somehow. Mm-hmm. And I think there could be truth in that. Yeah. And sometimes our clients get activated and, and can't repair. Yeah. And so I'll offer, you know, similarly to something that you said in our last episode, Hey, I know that our last session might've been really hard, or I'm curious if there was something from last session that feels important to share. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to repair that if there's yes. been anything, mm-hmm. if I really don't know. And consultation has been the most helpful yes. around like what could have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if this is a client that has a history of like therapist hopping. Yes. Or depending on where we were in the work, pulling out of therapy right before yeah. We had made a plan to process, for example. Mm-hmm. But that's really hard for me when they just don't show up. 
I'm like, oh gosh, what is the word? And then I start worrying about like, I'm going to get a bad review on Google. And like, I'm going to have, I had a colleague who, a a client, a while after they had fired her, wrote like a whole manifesto online, like eight pages. Oh my gosh. Going on, I know, going on and on about this therapist. She's an amazing psychologist. Oh, It was so unfortunate. Yes. Yeah. And so I get worried about like, they're coming back with ammo. Right? It's like this weird, like, that's not my adult self. Come on. Like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, too, and some newer therapists, I think it really, I th- maybe every therapist, but I think in a lot of my supervisees, what's come up is being afraid of losing their license. Yeah. Like, are they, yeah. are they not showing up and they're currently writing to the board? Oh, my gosh. I just think that the best thing to do is to make sure that you're coming at that relationally. Like if you always try and hold the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and so particularly, maybe like you did mess up mm-hmm. and they they need a new therapist, like the repair can't be done. Sure. Just take the full responsibility. Yes. Right? Like I am yes. so sorry. I, yep. I wholeheartedly apologize. I understand you needing to find a new therapist. Yep. We, um, Chloe Madonna's, I think I'm saying her name wrong. Mm. Um, she's a strategic family therapist and she very much talks about the topic of apologizing mm. and taking full responsibility as a therapist. Yeah. We're, it's our job to model it. We have this like power differential. Yes. So whether yes. you agreed on being fired or not. You can repair, mm-hmm. even if they're still leaving. Yes. Like important to not just let a ghosting client just go. Yes. You know, and I've done that Mm -hmm. when I'm sitting in my puddle of shame Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh, I just, I tried reaching out, checking in, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. acting like we're fine. Like just checking in, you didn't (laughs) show up, right? (laughs) It's like, oh my gosh, this is not fine, right? And so writing or leaving a voicemail to like really express, like you see what happened. Mm -hmm. And and even if I don't know, offering to repair or mm-hmm. guessing what mm-hmm. might have happened. I'm curious if it was this. Mm-hmm. And if someone is blatantly telling you, we're not coming back, yes. or we need a different fit, being able to respond to that email message or voicemail mm-hmm. if they won't come in for a session. Yes. And it makes complete sense. If someone feels, I mean, I remember when my dad died last summer, I had took a month off work. Mm-hmm. And one of my people on my caseload, it, it seems like themes of abandonment might have come up. Mm-hmm. And I was very frustrated Mm. as a human. Mm -hmm. I felt like, oh my gosh, like my dad just died. Of course I took time. I felt kind of defensive in my mind. Yeah. Um, And then the truth is, as I sat with that, it's like, well, of course this person feels abandoned Mm -hmm. because I abruptly needed to take time off for a family for bereavement. Right. And we were able to repair that. Mm -hmm. But like if, if someone wanted to leave, Mm -hmm. I may not agree I may think, oh my gosh, we can repair this and they want to leave. Yeah. But I still get to validate, yeah, based on their history, their attachment, mm-hmm. um, can I be reflective enough to put my stuff over here? Yeah. Acknowledge that it's there. Yeah. And really apologize. Like that would be really hard when your safe person abruptly is gone, mm-hmm. you know, in a hard season for all clients last summer. Yes. With COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. One, as you have these experiences, I guess I'll speak for myself, the clients that are able to move through the rupture and repair, it is incredible and it's so much courage. Yes. And it allows me to like 
share authentically with them just how resourced and impressed I am at their ability to do that. Yes. Because I know personally in my own therapeutic work and then having enough clients where they either ghost or they just like fire me over email or whatever it is. And then they have these other clients who are like, this is really shitty and I don't actually want to do this, but I'm going to sit in it with you. And like just like speaks to the resilience that some of these clients have. I remember I've probably ghosted two therapists in my adult life. And I remember thinking one of them just never reached out. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking like, gosh, that just affirms Mm -hmm. why this was not a good fit. It's because she took out her EMDR script. Mm. And I was like, this just feels, I didn't have the words for it back then. I was so young. Yeah. But it felt very not relational. Yeah. Like you're reading from a script to do EMDR. Mm Mm-hmm. I I was literally like making stuff up. Yeah. Like I didn't want to like tell her it wasn't working. So I was like, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, I'm in my safe place and like was just not, and then just stopped coming. Yeah. And I remember thinking when she did not pursue, like even acknowledging Mm -hmm. that we had really ended. Yeah. Um, that it affirmed like that the connection was not there. Mm. And so since then it's been helpful to explore, like how do we lean in? depending on what the client will give us, how can we lean in and at least continue to offer connection, even in the midst of being fired? Yeah. That's very hard. Yes. But apologizing is a big, mm-hmm. yes, yeah. a big way to do that. Well, and if you were to receive feedback like that as a therapist versus a client just ghosting you, it's a great learning experience that, you know, it's EMDR, like we're trained to use the script in the beginning, mm-hmm. that you just say that. Yes. I'm so sorry. This was the training and I should have, I should have explained that to you. Yes. You know? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But you still had the apology in there. Something else that might come up for a therapist when they get fired is, yes. Oh, I was so done with that client. I'm so glad that it's over. Ah, It's so true. (laughs) Oh, no. Yes. I feel really called out right now. (laughs) I, I mean, yes. I, it's cer- I've certainly been like, oh, oh. thank you. I, it's been, I'm exhausted. Yes. I think we can honor that part. Mm-hmm. And I think that's our human part. Yeah. But our therapist part still needs to offer yes. the attunement and the relational piece to that. Whether yeah. this client's like, no, today's my last session. Or, you know, they ghost you or whatever. Like, we still... Even though we both have decided this wasn't a good fit, mm-hmm. you as a therapist have the responsibility to make sure that you're modeling all the things that this client never got. Yeah. That is truly impossible to do unless you are in supervision or consultation or therapy around why are you so relieved? What was that client bringing up mm-hmm. for you? Yes. Um, because otherwise you can say the right things and their BS radar yes. is like, you aren't going to miss working with me. Yeah. Like what if you say that and you don't mean it? Exactly. I can truly say that about some clients. Mm-hmm. Like I am going, I will be thinking of you and holding you in my heart. Right. Yeah. Um, I can't say that to a client if I'm relieved that they're leaving. I'm right. not going to say that. Right. Um, I might say like, gosh, I'm just being really reflective on all that we've done together. Mm-hmm. It's it struck me how much progress and the the like tension of not getting to where you wanted to be and that's making me feel sad. Yes. You're really worthy of finding 
a support person that can take you that to that place, you know? Yes. I want good for you. Mm-hmm. You could say those things. Mm-hmm. It is hard, this, like, relief of, like, oh, goodbye. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. good. Yes. Um, probably a clue that you might have needed to refer out mm-hmm. or gotten mentorship Yeah. before. Or... As more times goes on that that happens, mm-hmm. you should be able to be more reflective sooner in the process yes. that something relationally is happening. Yep. And then you should be talking about that. Yes. With them. Right. And yep. know that like that is healing in itself yes. and talking about it. This may be the first time that a client is given an experience where we can openly talk about something that we're both feeling, yes. but no one's saying anything. Yeah. Right. And I am going to rewind really fast kind of like I'm imagining a fishing pole and I'm pulling us (laughs) out of the water back to the fishing pole (laughs) I was thinking about when you were saying that um clients can put us on this pedestal yeah Lisa Dion talks about that quite a bit and she's like get off the pedestal as fast as you can yeah because when you come off longer in the process it is a hard fall Oh, yeah. Especially if you're working with kids. Yeah. Like if the parent has put you on a pedestal, Mm -hmm. isn't that her word dethroning? Like Mm -hmm. dethrone yourself. Yes. Yes. It is so important. Yeah. I think that shows up. I've seen where parents are like, the kids are like, they love coming to you. They said this was the best day of their life. At some point, those kids aren't going to want to come. And it's, I think sometimes easier for parents to bring their kids when their kids are excited to come. And so we even have to get off the pedestal with kids so that we can begin to help the parents encourage the kids to still come even when it's hard. Yep, definitely. Yeah. And you can't dethrone yourself unless you're okay being unlikable mm-hmm. in that moment to your client yeah. right, and to a parent. It's okay to be unlikable or for a part of them mm-hmm. to really dislike a part of you and to name that together. Um yes. I love my current therapist because I can tell her, like, I did not want to come today. Mm -hmm. I'll be honest, I don't want to talk about this. Or Mm -hmm. I'm really irritated today. Or what you just said makes me feel this. Or There's, like, such an openness. Mm -hmm. And it has deepened all the safety. And so now I get to notice, like, if I don't want to go. And also hold that, like, it'll be good. Yes. It'll be good to go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think being fired brings up so many things. For different therapists, depending on what setting you're working in, too. We were talking a little bit before this about the lack of choice. Mm -hmm. If you're in, like when I did in-home work, um, a client could request another therapist. Mm -hmm. This has happened several times after I've made a hotline call. Sometimes they could. Sometimes they were stuck with me. Mm -hmm. And then now I can look back and see what a good opportunity to work through that rupture. Mm -hmm. At the time, being like 23, Mm -hmm. it was horrible. Yeah. It was Thursdays. I remember. Oh. I would dread Thursdays. <laughs> like, I have to go back and work with this family on their turf and their house. And they just think the worst of me. Mm-hmm. And it was very hard for me to tolerate being unliked. Mm-hmm. I thought that the goal of therapy implicitly was that clients would always be happy with me. Hmm. And that is just not true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in private practice, they can write a bad review mm-hmm. or not come mm-hmm. or send an email. Mm-hmm. And so it feels different in different settings. Yeah. In, in a school, they might stop coming to you, but you see them in the halls all the time. Mm-hmm. My best friend is a school social worker. Mm. Um, or they might need to come to you in order to stay in school. Yes. It's kind of mandated. Yeah. Um, 
That reminds me of working in um, residential. Yes. You know, even if they yeah. got a new therapist, like you're still seeing each other. Right. And so more opportunities to work through what comes up for you as a clinician mm-hmm. and, and putting some value behind that. Yeah. I would always be too busy mm-hmm. years ago. I'm too busy. I'm not going to do a sand tray about my stuff with this client. <laughs> I'm too busy. I'm not going to journal after work about work. Yeah. Right. But it's important yeah. to make space for it. Yeah. If you're not going to do it after work, then maybe you decide Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Yeah. You know, whatever day it is. Yes. Yeah. But we have to make time for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to add, too, that we often hear this phrase and it really, it gets under my skin. It's a small field. And I'm like, it is. And by you saying that, that's true about you too, yes. right? Like my experience about you can go to however else yeah. and your experience, when I'm thinking about clinicians, yes. if you have a client that comes to you and they are telling you about this therapist, mm-hmm. I just, if you can hold both narratives, yes. right? Like there might have been a rupture. Yeah. And I wonder what this is telling me right now about this client's attachment history and style. Yeah. And do I actually maybe need to see if I can reach out to this other therapist? Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the day, if us therapists, if we therapists can just trust that we really are all doing the best we can with what yes. we have and that our goal is to support people. Yeah. And not that, you know, there's this incompetent therapist. And um, I think that is something that comes up for me is that, well, who will they go to next and what will they say about me? And that's really hard. And so I just have to hope and hold that the other therapist will be able to hold both narratives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such a good point. Thinking about the field being small. When you said that, my lips like pursed. I was like, oh, I hate that phrase too. And I will say the longer we're in the field, at least that's been my experience, the more easy it is to make room for all the different narratives and complexities. Mm-hmm. So it could be true that there, this client's poor EMDR experience doesn't mean that therapist was a quote bad therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, they just needed something different, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, or the client actually has their own attachment stuff, and that's why they left. Mm-hmm. And then they will do it to me. I've seen that not intergenerational, but kind of it feels that way. Yes. Like the same story is played out with every therapist. Each therapist with like family therapy will tell the family the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's the client. It's the family's journey. Yeah. Yeah, until they find potentially someone who says it in the in the, just the right tone or yeah. just the right season for that family to receive it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as Abby knows, I'm, I'm not religious. I would consider myself spiritual, but not religious. And I don't even know how this quote popped into my head, I think, because I think in metaphor sometimes. But so, you know, Abby or those listening may know where this comes from, but I know that there's <laughs> this phrase about he's risen out of the ashes or something like that. (laughs) And I'm just imagining being fired and the times I've been fired and I really have like grown out of like becoming ashes. (laughs) I'm not trying to compare myself. I think they might've been talking about Jesus. Might've been about Jesus. I'm not comparing myself to Jesus. (laughs) I I do have a Phoenix tattooed on my back. It makes me think more of a Phoenix, like rising from the ashes. Here we go. Okay. Let's, let's go with that. It also speaks to like being fired feels like death. Yeah. I mean, doesn't it? Like mm-hmm. ash. I mean, it is 
devastating. And we know like with plants and trees yeah. in the winter, like things look and feel dead, but actually. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. And they actually have the, the, so I've been thinking about the peonies. Mm-hmm. I always feel like I'm saying this word wrong because in the Midwest where I'm from, mm-hmm. you say peonies, mm. but I think in Colorado you say peonies. Okay. Do you know? No. I don't know. Mm-mm. Anyway, these beautiful flowers. My grandma loved them mm-hmm. and had them all over her yard. And so when we moved into our new house eight months ago, um, it's kind of fun because there's all these mystery plants coming up. Like, I don't know what the people before us had planted. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realized that they had planted a few peony bushes and then we had bought a few. So now we have like all these blooming peonies in mm-hmm. our um in our yard, we'll post a picture of one. Yeah. And it's been really fun because when we winterized our rose bushes and the peony bushes, the plants, you have to cut them all the way, like three inches from the ground. Mm-hmm. The plant looks dead mm-hmm. the whole winter. I mean, truly, it's like brown and thorny and and the peony plants look like nothing. Mm. I really thought they were weeds at first. Yeah, And same with the poppies that we have coming up. And I've been reading about how the plant holds within it everything it needs to bloom mm. in the spring and summer, even while it looks dead. Mm-hmm. And that the buds actually need at least like these plants, peony plants cannot survive in zones that are really warm. They actually need at least one full month of below freezing temperature. Mm. Or they will not bloom. Mm-hmm. The buds need the cold. Mm-hmm. So they need almost a season of like, it looks like death. Mm-hmm. It looks like the opposite of growth. You can't even see the buds. Mm-hmm. And it needs that to stimulate bud growth. Mm-hmm. And so then in the spring, we've been watching, my kids and I will go outside every morning. Mm-hmm. We look at the sunrise and then we look at the buds and they've been growing the mm-hmm. last few weeks. And then the other day they just like popped open and mm-hmm. they're so pretty. And it's been really interesting to story that with them about how this plant has held that in in its system all winter yeah. and it needed the cold to stimulate the growth. Mm. It's kind of like Jesus. <laughs> like, I'm not sure, but like the ashes. <laughs> what I am thinking is if you, the listener, can actually now maybe look forward to being fired yeah. because you need that to yes. stimulate your growth. Yeah. Yeah. So, hmm, like a peony will not grow in really warm climates. Yeah. It feels like nice weather, mm-hmm. but that it's not going to bloom. Yeah. The buds won't even come. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not growing with people pleasing clients and not addressing yeah. it. <laughs> we're growing when we get fired. Yes. 